Welcome to Spider-Man and his amazing fans. I'm Bry Guy. I'm Jason. Jason, happy 2021. Thank Look you. I thought you were going to say happy belated birthday. But, well, that too. you know, you didn't yeah. you didn't bother with that. No, that's well, fine. It, there's 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 a there's a gift on the way and it may or may not be Spider-Man related. So oh we'll, we'll talk about that after oh, you get it. But uh, terrific. Terrific. I, I, I trust you had a good holiday season and good birthday. It was good. It was everything. Everything worked out. Everything uh, came good. together just fine. Um, good. We didn't have this in the show prep, but uh, the one little nugget of spider news that came up across my various feeds as the uh, holiday season transpired and we, we took the, the couple weeks off from uh, taping anything. The, the news of the new spider co- Spider-Man costume that's going to be rolling out uh, in the comic books in the spring. Did you see this? No, I did not. Okay. So All right. Are we, are we, get, are, are we getting another relaunch then? Are we getting another origin story? I, another no, issue I one? I, I don't, I didn't get that impression. And honestly, I didn't look that, I didn't look that much <laughs> into it other than seeing like pic- pictures of it and, and whatever, but you like uh, it? It, it, it? Sure. I mean, it's different, you know, it's, Is it? It, yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it, it's a different, different outfit. Uh, colors, uh, colors, uh, blue and gray predominantly, which is no interesting. Red. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I I thought for sure you would have seen something about that, but um, no, I, I I hadn't. I don't know how I missed that. I must not be uh, subscribed to the same feed you are. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, you know, so that was that was interesting to me. Uh, obviously, as we're uh, turning the page on this new year and a new yeah uh, cartoon series. We're t- we're taking this brief hiatus to look at uh, something else that is available on the Disney Plus. Uh, first episode of the Marvel Six One Six documentary. I guess it's a. I guess you would call it an anthology documentary series, right? Yeah. And right. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I think it's it's something new that's just recently, like at the end of 2020, I think around Thanksgiving, it dropped, and it dropped all six episodes. Sure. Uh, called. Marvel six one six, which you and I were talking, still don't know why it's called that. Yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't tried to figure that out. Uh, of course, they, you know, in the in the Marvel multiverse, they give all the different Earths uh, yeah. various uh, uh, numerical designations. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I don't know if it has something to do with that. I, I have no idea, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, anyway, first episode of this show is about the Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah, the Japanese Spider-Man television series television from the series. late mm-hmm. from the late 1970s. Speaking of birthdays, around the time you and I were around, born, Jason. Around the time we were born, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty interesting. Uh, so so yeah, a show about as old as us that uh, <laughs> a, as you watch this documentary, you and I came into it really knowing nothing about it other than it had right. been produced uh, and and uh, it was a thing. Apparently never seen in the U.S. prior to 2009, yep. um, when it was uh, released, uh, I guess on, what, did they say it was uh, available uh, in a streaming format or something like that? I forget might exactly have, how how they said they a DVD. rolled it might out or a DVD. DVD. Yeah, yeah. But in yeah. any case, uh, you know, uh, better part of 30 years, no one outside of Japan had this had this show or had seen it. Uh, it was fascinating to me that there you could have this little, you know, uh, microcosm of the Spider Verse, as it were, that existed completely separately uh, from anything Marvel was doing stateside, and be uh, apparently extremely successful. 
Yeah, so it, it found an audience, and as we were watching it, since or as I was watching at least, since I knew nothing about this going in, I didn't even know if it was going to be successful or not. Right, I didn't even know right. if this was going to be a big flop or, or something that found an audience. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was a nice surprise to see that it was successful. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, and it it they they did a nice job producing it. I mean, they they I'll tell you, just this is just a random aside comment in general. Maybe I'm just a gigantic sucker for documentaries, or maybe it's just like the the way that they're produced these days has such a consistent, uh, successful formula. Very well produced uh, show. Yeah. The, it was just it, it was really well done, and they they kind of introduced the show by talking to the guy who played the the title character, and and then they also uh, were they also interviewed like a like a comic book or a film critic or something like that from Japan who, mm-hmm. you know, who talked about how, well, they started out, they watched, they, they watched some like TV Spider-Man movie or something like that as they were getting started, uh, uh, thinking about producing this show. And he thought it was crap. <laughs> like, yeah. he, was, he was like, this terrible. was, this right. was so stupid. And, right. um, and he didn't, and it, it, I was like, Hmm, I wonder where this is going to go. You know, is it going to be like, we tried this thing. It was, you know, we, we tried to make it and then, yeah, whatever. But the, it, not only, not only what did it apparently, uh, succeed, but, uh, to hear from the, the kind of the main character of the documentary is this Gene Pelk, who, who is an American who, uh, was married to a Japanese woman, lived in Japan, and and uh, was more or less like an agent for Marvel to try to develop some TV stuff there. Right, and this was kind of his baby. Yeah. Right, right. But to hear him tell it, not only did you get the Transformers out of this as a result of this show, yeah. but but later the 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 power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and and, and other things that just sort of moved into the. Not only the Japanese, but just like the the worldwide sort of nerd zeitgeist. Yeah, it mm-hmm. did, and it it really hasn't translated to obviously over here. You and I are, are big Spider Man fans, and we didn't know about this, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of created, like you said, this offspring of things that they can owe direct sort of allegiance to, or, or mm-hmm. sort of influence from. Yeah, with yeah. like you said, the Transformers and things like that. Also mentioned, talk about an you know, a, a nerdgasm here mentioned quite extensively in the ready player one novel by Ernest Klein is mm. Leopardon. Oh, the, sure. uh, the giant robot. And also in case you might not have heard this news, Jason, uh, apparently some of the main actors um, and Leopardon are going to appear in the next spider verse film. No kidding. So it, it's, it's coming, Jason. Interesting. It's coming. Interesting. Yeah. That's, yeah, that that but, is very interesting. Yeah, no, but it it was it was a lot of fun to watch to you know hear about how this uh, production uh, came together. You had remarked to me that um, you were kind of uh, d- surprised or delighted at uh, the reaction from Stan Lee when they uh, when they like first went to Japan to look at the pilot of this show, right? Right, right. They showed it to a room full of, you know, TV executives from Japan and I think from Marvel in America. And they all just kind of shook their head and were like, you know, what were you thinking? This isn't working. And then Stan Lee kind of swooped in and, and saved the day and he loved it. He said it it it, it was Spider-Man, but it was so, such a good showing of like catering to the Japanese audience for a Japanese Mm-hmm. fan base mm-hmm. and uh, I was remarking off the air that I didn't realize until I watched this that 
that Spidey 81 series that we watched last year, Jason, might be the first and only thing I've seen in the Spider-Man greater universe that Stanley isn't in because <laughs> he's 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 <laughs> yeah, even in yeah. this documentary. <laughs> right, right. A young, a young Stanley from yeah. the late 1970s, but still Stanley nonetheless. And I I loved that they had uh Stan. I don't know when they shot the interview. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I would presume it was maybe when they uh, you know released this uh, show in the states you know what whatever that would be 10 10 12 years ago but they they had some some stuff from an interview of Stan talking about the Japanese Spider-Man and what he had thought of it and everything like that while they were rolling the end credits of of this uh yeah that's uh, right of this show and I, th- I that was that was quite delightful for me to see too Mm-hmm. Yeah, your day mm-hmm. just your day just gets a little bit better when Stanley is on your TV screen. You know, it's just you can't help but be happy with Stanley in your life. If you, you know, if you if if you like comic books, it's like it's just yeah, it's just fun to hear him talk because he is clearly he he was clearly having a good time pretty much all yeah. the time. You know, he yeah yeah he he made millions for doing what he loves, mm-hmm. which is always that's that's one reason why I love like you said documentaries mm-hmm. seeing the human spirit sort of triumph and getting something done that they want to get done mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for that and Stan yeah, Lee yeah. is is sort of the prototype of that speaking of which and and as we were watching this uh documentary the other th- one of the other things that was just sort of an immediate you know visceral takeaway for me anytime they were interviewing uh I, and you know, I I'm gonna butcher pronunciation of all these Japanese names, but uh, Shinji Toto Toto, who was the um the the not the Peter Parker, but you know he was he was the equivalent of Peter Parker in this show. The secret identity of Peter Parker. Yeah, or of Spider-Man. yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any time they were talking to him, it was so clear that he just loved doing this show, and it was also apparent that he loved his whole acting career. He was just mm-hmm. he was having a great time doing this interview and kind of reminiscing about this show. He was, yeah. he, every time he was talking, I was just kind of riveted. It was, Me too. It was he, terrific. He yeah. was so incredibly gracious and grateful for what happened to him. And even when mm-hmm. the interviewer revealed to him, like Stanley loved the show, he was like, really? Mm-hmm. I, that makes me so happy. Like mm-hmm. it was all subtitled, but it made him so happy just to hear that little nugget of yeah. wisdom. And, and yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, but I love like, you know, you would talk about triumph of the human spirit. Always good to see, but also just extreme gratitude, like people mm-hmm. not taking for granted or being cynical about anything and just being like, I loved this. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I love that this started my career. I love that this was such a great experience and I have nothing but good memories from it. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always nice to see, especially in the times we're in right now. That's always oh, really yeah. nice to yeah. see, for you know, sure. for sure. The other thing you mentioned to me, you were looking at, you were looking for some toys (laughs) after you watched this, right? I don't know if this was the intention of the filmmakers, Jason, but I was like so like an eight-year-old eating cereal on the crisscross applesauce floor watching my Saturday morning cartoons and those commercials that would air like, I want that toy, I want that toy. But man, I was like on Amazon within seconds of that show being done like, is that a real toy I can get? And what uh-huh. I'm talking about is is the car and the robot slash plane that Spider-Man flies. Right, um, right. Man, it looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and this obviously is something that is totally unique to this yeah. uh, to this uh, uh, Japanese uh, show. This this uh, different market, but they they were um, very deliberate in making sure that there were a lot. There were uh, you know vehicles. Uh, yeah. That they could that they could sell as toys to kids, 
they wanted a uh, they wanted a transforming robot in the mm-hmm. show, yeah. which obviously in the Spider-Man comic books was never a thing. Um, but <laughs> right. but apparently it worked was really popular. So, yeah. And you've, you've you said you found a model kit for for the Leopardon <laughs> robot. I sure did. Uh, it's already on the Amazon wish list for those of you that are looking at home. <laughs> it's only 80 bucks. And uh, mm-hmm. it reminds me, and I don't know, and we were talking about this off the air, like I'm not like a big, I'm not like a big manga or anime guy. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. always want to kind of delve into anime, but there's just so much. But mm-hmm. um, it reminds me of like something you'd see, like I think they're called Shogun or one of those big like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. model. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those big yeah. like mech suits. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist kind of thing, I guess. Uh friend of the show pat collects those and it looks like something in that universe and uh-huh. i was like this could either be the first thing that i ever buy and the last thing i ever buy or it could be the first <laughs> of a million things i buy and i don't know if i'm ready to open this can of worms Jason. yeah yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> but it looks yeah. cool i mean and mm-hmm. everything about it like i was watching it within the first five minutes and i was like it's so bright and colorful and fun and mm-hmm. um i think a lot of that has to do with the way the filmmakers edited this to really make us as an audience go I want to see this show. I want to play with these toys. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by the end, when we find out how successful it was being happy about that, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and that, that maybe gives me a, a point to talk about uh, one of the things that I, I thought of as I'm watching this and, uh, you know, considering where we, where we just came from, we just finished yeah. because, because the time frame was really similar, right? Like this show, Close. this, this show, was 7879 uh, uh is when it ran in Japan and the cartoon we just finished was 8182 so really right. really close in in time frame there shows that while intended for you know audiences of vastly different cultures aimed at kids about the same age right yeah true I, true and same audience and it, so one of the things is we're watching this documentary that struck me was it's so vastly different what was what was appealing to Japanese children versus what was appealing and what was uh, at least allowed to be shown to uh, American kids. Um, right. Like there was man in this in this live action show, there was lots of explosions and bullets and, and you know, death. and death yeah. and violence. Yeah. And right, just right. stuff that and, you were not going to see on Spidey 81. And we talked, especially me, talked a lot about everything in Spidey 81 not having a whole lot of an origin story. It looked mm-hmm. to me like that first or the first few episodes of this Japanese Spider-Man version has a really complicated mm-hmm. and long origin. And I wrote that in my notes, like this is a very complicated origin story. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so in yeah, that yeah. sense, it is the exact opposite <laughs> of Spidey 81. And, you and know? It, it was also really interesting to me to, and, and you get a little bit of a sense of it uh, in watching the documentary, but then it becomes a little clearer if you, if you do a little bit further reading on it, this, there's 41 episodes of this show. And over the course, something that at the again at the time was just very different. Over the course of the forty-one episodes, you do get that extensive origin for these characters, and you get a complete arc where at the end, the end is the end of the story. The the right. the Spider-Man defeats the the his, his nemesis, the Iron Guard or something like that. The the Iron Cross Army, Iron and, Cross and Army, Professor Sorry. Monster. <laughs> Love that name, Professor by the way. Professor Monster. So he defeats he de- and that they're his they're his chief enemy through the whole series. At the end, right. he defeats them, and that's the end of the show. 
you know, it's like, it's just, it's so different. It's just well encapsulated. And yeah. How many, like how many times can you think of when you were a kid where there would be a cartoon you were watching and, and then it just goes off the air, you know, it just, you know, it just gets canceled and like, and kids, if you're young enough, you don't even really realize, you know, how TV works or like what's (laughs) right. What's coming and going with it. It's like, you know, well, wow. I like, I remember when Alf ended and I, I was so upset. I was like, but they, it ended on a cliffhanger. How can it just stop? <laughs> like, right. They, they didn't. They didn't finish the story. Did yeah. he go back to his home planet or not? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> we like, still don't know, we Jason. Still it don't haunts know me. for sure. Oh boy. Um, oh, right. And and I wonder if Japanese audiences are just, for lack of a better word, more intelligent, or just a little bit more sophisticated, mm-hmm. or if they even alluded to this in the show. If if you kids watch these kind of shows with their family. And there was a mm, lot of focus mm-hmm. on family within the show. So, you know, yeah, yeah. something to keep the adults wanting to come back every week or however often this ran sure, m- might might have been part of the reason why it was more serialized than episodic, which is what we watched mm-hmm. just recently. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting. And, uh, and, and so, uh, again, uh, Gene Pelk, I think is how you say his last name, the, the, the American who kind of oh, helped develop okay. the show. As the, you know, his, he was talking about, you know, sort of making making changes to the character in order to make it fit in Japan. And he talked about manga and how everybody read it, read comics over there. Like not just kids were into comics, but also that they were, he said they were uh, a visual medium. I don't know. know, Those aren't his exact words, but he talked about how in America you read comic books and in Japan you look at them. Yeah, uh, and exactly. and it's so like that's a storyboard for a film. Yeah, and and that yeah. has to play in a little bit to kind of how the how the show ends up looking too, right? It's just yeah, if you're if you're not really focused on what people are saying, you're going to need lots and lots of action, lots of movement, lots of cool fights, stuff. yeah, uh, stuff like that. So right. yeah, yeah, and it and it seems to me that that kind of thing would have been a, I assume would have been appealing to american kids at the time but i don't know maybe maybe not like maybe 40 years ago we weren't ready for that to consume that kind of media right and i think maybe the focus was more on animated stuff in the early 80s than mm-hmm. than live action stuff for kids because yeah, i think yeah. if, i think if it's equivalent which would be a live action show and the only comic show i can think of that was live action was hulk if we're mm-hmm. talking around mm-hmm. this time frame. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was definitely for older kids, yeah. if not adults. Yeah, that was you know? that was really, I mean, boy, yeah, I would say that was like an adult show. Like, right? It was on during prime time, I mm-hmm. think, right? Like, yeah, it was a, yeah. It was like an adult hour-long drama, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wonder Woman, to a, to a lesser degree, I suppose, mm-hmm. too, but mm-hmm. that was also more for adults, so. Very, really, really interesting stuff. The other thing, then, that I, that... I get led to as well is there. So there's different audiences that they're, that they were producing this show for. And I, and so then I come back, I, I come back to the present now because we have Marvel is so popular now uh, right. worldwide and makes just, you know, billions of literally billions of dollars when yeah. they put new content out. And to think that this was this was a, a product that came out of the came out of the same, you know, uh, sort of well of uh, characters and, and uh, uh, creative knowledge, but that was completely self-contained in this on this island nation for 30 <laughs> years, uh, you know, give or give or take. I mean, obviously, I'm sure, you know. 
people heard about it before that, but you you sure. know you couldn't you couldn't easily get it until then, right? And but now but now literally anything that Marvel makes, I mean, between the internet and piracy and <laughs> uh, whatever else, streaming services. streaming services, everything is worldwide immediately, right? Right. So right. we get WandaVision in a couple of weeks, and everybody's going to be able to watch that. Every everyone will be watching that. It makes me wonder: is there is is there an advantage or disadvantage to the way we do this? Now, I mean, obviously, there's going to be pluses and minuses, uh, you know, in, in either direction. But like, I guess one of the one of the detrimental things to me, having watched this documentary and seen how much different they had to make Spider-Man in order to appeal to Japanese kids, like nothing like like the Spider-Man we were watching at all. Right. It, it makes me wonder if having a little, uh, having such a homogenous audience, you know, having it makes you sort of need to smooth a lot of rough edges and not really take any chances. You know what I'm saying? Right. When, like to when you have to appeal, when, at, appeal when you have to, to everyone. appeal to the, literally the whole world. Like that's right. that's hard, right? I, I, a little bit. Yeah, that's a bit more of a challenge. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there would never be a, a Marvel entity that comes out now in the MCU where they say, well, this is the American version of Thor. Yeah. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. the Japanese version of Spider-Man. Like it's Mm -hmm. just Thor. It's just Spider-Man. Even Captain America, which has America right in the title is seen by every eyeball in the world that wants to see it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and I mean, I guess in, in one respect, you know, it's cool that like, you know, you could go, you could go like around the world, like you can go to, you know, to Europe or Asia now and, uh, you know, and probably find fans uh, of all the same stuff that you're into, right? And Absolutely. and yeah. you know, be able to be able to talk about that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, the, there'll never be anything like there'll never be anything really unique that you will ever that you'll like stumble across or find like a Japanese Spider-Man. I mean, I guess yeah. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm lamenting I, something that isn't really a, a thing, but it's no I. I agree, and there's also something that we had in our childhoods and, and early adulthood for us, Jason, where there was the idea of like wanting to get something that was hard to get. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think, and this is going to make me sound really old, so bear with <laughs> me here, old man Siebers, but I don't think kids these days have that. Like the example that I think of is like the Star Wars holiday special. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not good. Please don't watch no, it. No, no. You'll never terrible. be able to unsee it. Not the new one. The new one's good, the old one. Right, right. Not the Lego version, right. The yeah. Lego one's good. Um, but it, it, like that was such a coveted thing where like even before the internet, you couldn't just like Google and find someone that was selling it online as like right. a bootleg copy. You had mm-hmm. to know a guy who knew another guy who would give it to you like in a brown paper bag. Right, <laughs> like, right. And it was you know, and, it, and it had been dubbed like four dozen times by the time right, you had it. Right. right? You yeah. had to adjust the tracking on your VCR a good ten <laughs> minutes into it before you could actually see a, a still picture. Yeah. So you know, before the internet existed, something like Japanese Spider-Man, had you or I been around and wanting to see it in the 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. we would have had to really, really, really yeah, hunt it yeah. down. And mm-hmm. then we would have wanted it more because it was so hard to get. That's sure, consumerism. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas now you could you could probably pull up YouTube right now and look up Japanese Spider-Man and find a way mm-hmm. through, through that or, or less legal ways to watch this entire series. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's sure. it's it's interesting not only the globalness mm-hmm. of it all that you were explaining, but also the immediacy that is so different yeah. in 2021 than it was in 1981 and 1979. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So 
it's just it's very interesting to think about, and it's not that long ago, <laughs> at least no. not to me <laughs> when I was, when we were in high school. But maybe it was. I don't know. It's, I I know the the years fly by. Exactly right. I mean the other the other part of it is you know it, there's the the a- angle that I think of with having to appeal to a wide range of people, but then on the other hand you think of um you think of the the streaming services and and you know the massive amount of content that like yeah that your netflix and amazons and hulus and and so forth and and now Disney like Plus. everybody is everybody's getting into you know producing their own stuff where you can also these days you know drill down and put such a, a, a you can you can produce something for a reasonable cost that's going to appeal to such a very specific audience or or group of people and and it'll still get made you know that so i don't know maybe maybe there is still a way for people to like take chances and do interesting things you know that that cuz yeah. i guess that's the other part of it is that that i took away from this documentary is they had to really sort of reinvent Spider-Man. They they uh Gene talked yeah. about in this documentary there were a few things that they had to do in order to maintain the Marvel licensing, put him in the Spider-Man costume, you know, and like do Spider-Man powers and stuff like that. Yeah, but other right. than that, it was like they built it from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I guess there are there are still ways that you can that you can do a really unique uh innovative show. It's just maybe not going to find the find its audience right away, or or have to work harder for it because there's so many there's there's so many places to go and uh, right, the, options the for yeah. The mm-hmm. landscape is so full of of movies and things, and and mm-hmm. I mean, if if Jeanette, my wife, and I say we're going to watch something with dinner, we take longer to figure out what we're going to watch than we oh, yeah. actually watch the yeah. thing we're going to watch because, mm-hmm. and then you know sometimes it's like a matter of are you in the mood for a comedy or drama mood for a comedy drama that's a half hour are you in the mood for a show or a mo- you know and then it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. okay what service okay do we want to pull something from our queue you know and, and then it's like it's right. 9 30 we need to go to bed yeah <laughs> it's yeah. usually what ends up happening oh yeah so yeah, yeah. so yeah you're you're right there there's so much but it's also that that's a it detriment can be really and, specialized yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly and you know so you you have a show like we watched just about Japanese Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. again, 10 years ago, people didn't know what it was. And also who would have funded to have a documentary made about this thing that mm-hmm. nobody has heard of, Sure, you know, sure. So now we can have something like Disney plus that's so incredibly niche mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah. that we can yeah. get stuff like this. Yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. I, what's the longest you've ever spent <laughs> di- digging through uh, Netflix titles or or whatever, or like reading reading synopses of shows when you said you wanted to watch something, but you didn't, but you but you hadn't started watching anything yet. I think the longest I've ever gone is probably like twenty minutes. So by myself or with Jeanette? By either, just both. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say about a half hour. Half an way. hour. Good yeah. lord. There have been mm-hmm. times where Jeanette says, "I'm going to bed," and I'm like, "I'm going to stay up and watch something," and I don't watch anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just yeah. watch those but, little 30 second like you previews stare- on Netflix and yeah, I go, yeah. well, that looks good. I'll come back to that. And then I right, keep going. Right. Oh man. <laughs> I don't think that, I, I don't know. I, I've honestly like, uh, boy, having a, having a toddler makes TV hard to watch, man. But um, I've barely, I've barely looked at Netflix in six months, but um, 
when I, I so I, I don't know for sure. Do they still have your watch list or your queue that you can yeah, do on there? It's okay, my list on Netflix. Yeah, I, I've my the one thing that happens uh, when I look at Netflix is that list for me gets longer and longer. It never <laughs> right. it never gets shorter because I just I go exactly. through and I'm like, oh, I would be interested in that. Well, but but what else would I be interested? in? And I keep I just keep doing <laughs> right. Well, this also looks good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Netflix is good, or all those streaming services good are good at like recommending things to you, and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it could be something you've never heard of, but you're like. That does kind of check a few boxes for me. I should yeah. watch that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. But it is satisfying. I don't know if this is just me and my quirk, but it is satisfying to finish a show or a movie and take it out of that list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a good feeling. That's good stuff right there, buddy. Yeah. Let yeah. me tell yeah. you. We might need to get out more <laughs> is my point. <laughs> this year, hopefully things will get better and we can actually, you know, yeah, interact yeah. with other people. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I got I got one last kind of you know heady discussion question for you that yeah. the, that this uh, this show came up uh, brought up for me I I really I really did enjoy uh, watching this documentary um, me too I'm glad you know you one of the things that you mentioned is we were kind of prepping for this conversation was uh, again that uh, that Stanley component where really the this thing never would have even hit Japanese TV if stan hadn't come to japan seen the pilot and said yes i like this uh Mm -hmm. you know the 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 muckety mucks would not have uh would not have been okay with it obviously they needed to uh, they needed a lot of uh, latitude a lot of sort of creative freedom to produce something that was going to work for that audience i i was thinking to myself what's the extent to which they're allowing people that are working like in the Marvel cinematic universe or, uh, or, or now with like the Disney plus TV series and stuff like that. What's the extent they're doing that today? Or do you think of it more like it sometimes as, as a, you know, you, you kind of read about stuff online and kind of anticipate things coming you know they sew all these movies together so tightly, Brian. Yeah, and there's really uh, Kevin Feige seems to be behind the scenes, kind of pulling the strings of, of everything going on in the Marvel uh, movie and, and TV production. And 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 good on him. I mean, it's obviously, it's making them lots and lots of money. And we've enjoyed watching, I, I think, pretty much everything that they've been putting yeah. out. Yeah, they're batting a thousand. <laughs> but it's like. You know, I, I don't know. Do the does the, do you think that uh, do you get a sense from the stuff you watch that people have sort of creative freedom and and latitude, or is it uh, is it a little bit more rigid? I think it changed with Captain Mark America Winter Soldier. Mm. I think those brother, I think they're brothers that the Russo wrote, brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. That wrote and directed that. Mm-hmm. I think they really had a vision of how they wanted the rest of certainly Captain America's story to go. Mm-hmm. And then later on with the last two Avengers movies, which are mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Captain America Winter Soldier is one of my favorite Marvel movies because it, it feels like like a 70s art house movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a Marvel movie, which mm-hmm. don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I love the Marvel movies, but I feel like that was a lot of sort of artistic freedom that was given. And they yeah. made like yeah. a, an homage kind of thing, like a, like a, a genre movie instead mm-hmm. of a, mm-hmm. making sense. Like they, they made their own sort of thing. And yeah, I think yeah. 
they, Winter Soldier was so good on a commercial and critical level mm-hmm. that whoever was in charge of, you know, handing over the keys yeah, were, yeah. were okay doing that. And it also really spoke to like the audience's intelligence level, because even if you were eight or nine, when the first Iron Man movie came out, mm-hmm. by the time we got Captain America Winter Soldier, you were in your, gosh, mid-teens, right? Teens, like you yeah, were 15, sure. 16 years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. And someone, people like us who watched Iron Man in our 30s, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we got older too and, and we kind of matured with them. So I think that mm-hmm. was the turning point for me. But I don't know how much of this yeah. is still controlled. And I don't know how much of the shift is going to go from the films to the TV shows either, because mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. well, especially with what's going on with that pandemic, I don't know if any other movies are going to be released in theaters now. But yeah, I feel like that's the, scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I miss mm-hmm. seeing movies in theaters quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, think, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also think that if, if the focus is going to be on TV series, I think we're going to get a lot more sort of, for lack of a better word, artsy fartsy stuff, because you get a 13 episode first season of a show, you're going to throw in different directors and writers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people who have different ideas yeah. like we yeah. saw with Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe. Sure. sure. And and that makes me excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I like you what you said about the Russo brothers and, and kind of the direction they did. Because you're right, they, they with the cinematic universe, they kind of took, really, they just, they kind of strapped big names to the all the productions, but but they evolved over time, right? You had, because right. Joss Whedon was sort of the, the brainchild behind the first two Avengers. Then we had, then we've got the Russos who did the, Captain America, and later on, we uh, what's his name? Uh, Taika Waititi, who did Ragnarok, oh, Ragnarok which was and, great, and yeah. he's doing the next Thor movie uh, as well. Also involved in Mandalorian, so Disney's yep. written a lot of checks to that guy. Um, <laughs> he's doing okay. <laughs> he's he's doing just fine. Um, yeah, and, and even like Kenneth Branagh did the first Thor movie, I think, if not the first two. Yep, yep he did. So, he did. Yep. Um, and there are other and and uh, uh, who else am I thinking of uh, from uh, James Gunn? Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. Um, yep. You know who and and who did get uh, brought back for the for the third, third installment one. here. So, yeah, True. you know, there's there's definitely, yeah, you definitely get a you get a yeah you get a sense of sort of the personality or the style of those of those different directors as they're are going along. So yeah, there I, you're right. There is some there is some room to play there. It'll be really interesting to see too. You know, with um, it, it's got to be. Uh, exciting for uh, Spider-Man folk to think of Sam Raimi. He's doing uh, the Doctor Strange sequel. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yes. yes. I know I know. in the mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie, the next Tom Holland, we're getting Doctor Octopus by Alfred Molina back, and mm-hmm. we're getting um, Jamie Foxx as Electro back. Yes. And those are yes. those are two different universes, which mm-hmm. is separate from this Tom Holland universe. Right, so right. Yeah. That, it seems like there's going to be a lot of crossover. Yeah. That, we're we're be getting multiverse, Jason. I think mm-hmm. there's no denying it. We're going to get a multiverse. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is something the comic book industry has done really well and we saw a hint of mm-hmm. in Avengers Endgame and we're seeing it with WandaVision is the multiverse mm-hmm. and because that is something that could exist we can get something like Japanese Spider-Man to come back or you know it can exist yeah. by itself yeah. and with a greater umbrella and and can you think of a sort of like more clean and just totally nerd acceptable excuse for like rebooting things or changing stuff around every every couple of years, then 
oh, it's a, it's a multiverse. These are all, di- you know, it's all different, right. you know, different realities, different realities right. that, uh, where, where the same characters exist. It's like, it's like, well, yeah, of, of course it just, you know, it, it, it really, it may, like I said, it makes sense to any kind of like sci-fi or nerd kind of, um, right. reader or, or, uh, a viewer. And, and also, and also, frankly, you know, kind of fits into um, some uh, prevailing like uh, quantum science and stuff like that. Right. You know, it's right. It's we a, time travel. Yeah. And, and, and things that have existed in sci-fi forever mm-hmm. are now mm-hmm. being brought into things like Marvel. And from what I've been reading, and I hope this isn't true, into something like Star Wars, you could get mm-hmm. time travel. Too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. That's like the last frontier, pardon the pun, of like nerddom mm-hmm. is you bring in multiverse and time travel and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There are no limits at this point. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Strange was a turning point for that too, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see what Sam Raimi does with that. I did. Yeah. I had not heard that he's directing the next one. Yeah. I, cool. I, yeah, yeah, no, it, this is, this is a really good documentary. Do, are you planning on watching more of the Marvel 616 stuff? Um, I, it's you know it's it's not like at the top of my list of stuff to look at but it it is you know this was a really good show and it and was. I'm sure that I'm sure the other ones are are equally interesting so yeah and I heard that they were in the middle of production when when covid-19 happened okay um, so mm-hmm. there's probably more to come eventually but I think um they got like name people to direct some episodes coming up that okay. we have not yet seen I mm-hmm. mean uh, I'll tell you, I took it out of the watch list on uh, Disney Plus because <laughs> yeah. it felt good to do that. Uh-huh. No, that's fair. <laughs> that, doesn't that's mean, fair. that doesn't mean I'll never watch it because now in Disney Plus, it's going to say continue watching and then it'll be episode two of 616. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I can't say I I'll can't never escape, watch more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, nice. I, I really did enjoy this and um, I'm, I'm glad we watched it. It was a nice bridge to what we're going to be doing next. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, next week it's going to be uh, starting a new cartoon series, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, mm-hmm. Spidey, Iceman, and Firestar, man. It's going to be 20-odd uh, tw- episodes of Spidey, Spider-Mutant Mayhem. That sounds like some amazing friends. <laughs> Terrific. Good stuff, man. Always good to talk with you about Spider-Man and uh, things of that nature. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back on the animated uh, horse next week. And right away in the Green Goblin next week, right? Trying <laughs> for the Green Goblin. Yes, Good exactly. Stuff. Thanks for listening to Spider-Man and his amazing fans. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app. Follow us on Twitter at BKO Radio and like the show on Facebook. You can reach us by email, spideyfanspodcast at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you enjoyed it, share with a friend.